Hi everyone, welcome to the Highbury Hangout podcast. In this episode, we'll be taking a look at the first leg of the Arsenal-Ajax game at Meadow Park. Now, before we even get into the game, I think a lot of us were very panicked about how we were going to be able to watch it if we weren't lucky enough to have got tickets to go watch. And I think I saw this on Twitter as well, but it was giving me absolute flashbacks to back in the day when Arsenal would be in the Conti Cups and you wouldn't there wouldn't even be the the guess that oh it might be somewhere we can watch we just don't know where we can watch it it's all about like just having to keep up to date on Twitter because the admin would let you know the score or kind of anything that would happen so to be fair as much as the game was frustrating at least we weren't back in those days and it was nice that we did get a stream and it's really great to see crowds at Meadow Park as well. So now we've had a little bit of a nostalgia break. We'll first review what happened at the game, kind of what went well, what went wrong. And then finally, we'll discuss what it all means. So as we said, it was a frustrating night for players and fans alike at Meadow Park. The visitors started on the front foot, proving to be a very different and a lot more of a physical game than we had against Brighton over the weekend. Our goalkeeper, Manuela Zimsberger, made some really impressive saves, especially a shot in the opening minutes, but Ajax's press and the very high tempo of play led to a 16th minute goal by Romy Laucher. Arsenal responded really quite quickly with the goal despite their initial slow start from Blackstenius and the second half saw Arsenal emerge with an absolutely new sense of urgency. It honestly felt like a completely different game. But despite Kim Little's penalty scoring as the lead, Ajax raised the tempo yet again and scored a scrappy equaliser in the 83rd minute. Other notable moments include a goal from Kate McCabe, which was ruled offside, although if anyone's seen the certainly the Twitter of Arsenal and also Arsenal website's match report, Arsenal are clearly very strong believers that it was onside. Personally, I think it's slightly difficult to tell. Um, I am leaning to the belief that it was onside, personally speaking, and I actually think that kind of set the tone for a lot of the decisions in the previous game. I, I don't really like it when we unnecessarily blame officials for our lost opportunities, because as much as I think the physicality of Ajax was allowed a bit too much, ultimately I don't think it's the reason the game was a draw. But I've definitely seen a lot of opinions on that. So let me know on TikTok or Instagram and I'm sure the conversation will rage on. (laughs) Another big moment in the game for me was definitely what can only be described as an absolute clattering by Ajax's goalkeeper against Caitlin Ford. Now for me, I think this could have been at the very least, a stern talking to, which I don't think the ref even gave her, never mind entering discussions into being given a card, a penalty, all of that things. Because if you watch the video, it does look like the goalkeeper forgets about grabbing the ball and is more... I mean, you know, I think I also would be quite scared if Caitlin Ford was running towards me at full pelt. She had an incredible game and was a huge threat the minute she came on, which was really interesting to see, actually. 
Anyway, now that we've had that little overview of what happened and a slight painful reminder, shall we say, all of this means Arsenal now head into the second leg of the game on September the 28th with it all absolutely still on the line and also, to be honest, a huge point to prove. For those of you that listened to the previous episode of this podcast or watched my opponent report on TikTok, you'll know that I marked Victoria Pulova as my one to watch out for throughout the game and I would say that she definitely lived up to this standard. Ultimately, she was the best player on the pitch, certainly in the first half and very much played in the way I anticipated, really driving the press and completely up and down the pitch at all points. It was almost a little bit difficult to keep an eye on her and track her throughout the entirety of the game. However, I think Ajax's true standout player was actually their 17-year-old centre-back, Issa Cardinal. Her blocks and defensive duels were genuinely impressive in themselves, but also considering we're essentially talking about a 17-year-old who went up against some of Europe's very best. It really was an impressive showing from her. And I think definitely throughout the whole game, not just from her, but a few of the other younger players, gives high hopes the Netherlands even following their issues at the Euros. Now, talking about Dutch players, however, Arsenal players at this time, the game has led to a lot of discussion, especially on Twitter, about whether it's time to move Miedemar back to the striker role, as her and Eunice have both said that they want her to play in a more midfield role. And this is where we have seen her play most recently for the Gunners. What I think is difficult to say on this point is that as much as I think a lot of people are maybe just struggling to deal with the fact that the role of a star striker is going to look visibly different on the pitch and I don't mean in terms of what their role looks like I mean in terms of like star factor wow factor because she yes she was a goal machine so that's going to stand out way more in the memories than maybe some of the things that she's doing as her role in midfield especially when those roles are off the ball jobs So within that, what I think is kind of strange is that at the Brighton game, she did very well in the role. However, she was almost silenced by the Ajax players. So maybe it's not a question of she needs to be one or the other. For me, maybe it's about a general player rotation, which we are going to need to see the further we go on, especially if we continue in this competition. But also... Maybe even in Miedemar's role. Now, obviously, some people can have different opinions about this. But I genuinely believe that she is so talented that she could continue to do both. And it would arguably make it a bit more tactically difficult to predict kind of how games are going to go with our opponents, even if they were to, you know, have a guess at the overall lineup. Personally, in my opinion... It is strange to see someone go from this historic goal-making machine into this role, but she played this role when she was younger and she's always said that she prefers it. And in my opinion, happy players are better players no matter what level you're at. So I honestly believe that we should just give it some time. I know that's frustrating and we want to be winning and everything like that. But at the very least, it wasn't just Miedemar's fault that we drew obviously 
for me it was this overall collective of just like a lack of clicking maybe we weren't switched on from the start that kind of thing as always i would love to know what you all think i've definitely seen a real split of opinion Overall, in terms of what's concerning, for me it wasn't one individual player's performance, it was actually what the game itself signified for the WSL. Now, I don't want to be, you know, one of those dramatic people, and I totally believe that the WSL is very exciting to watch for spectators and highly competitive, that is without a doubt true. However, what we are consistently taught by these European competitions is that that's where the genuine tests come from for the teams. For Arsenal, that was explained last season when Barcelona and Wolfsburg set the tone for us. They've set the benchmark. We're, in my opinion, no WSL team is at that benchmark yet. Now, obviously, I think... The WSL teams, certainly us and Chelsea, are going to get to that benchmark. It would be ridiculous to assume we can't when you think about the multiple and just the general calibre of players the WSL has. However, in the meantime, the structures of how all of this works is concerning given the coefficient and how all of that works because the only British side to have won this competition is Arsenal, but that was all the way back in 2007. And then you look at Chelsea, yet yeah, they've they've done okay, but they've still struggled. Man City just got kicked out before they even reached this stage of the competition. It's definitely concerning and it, it doesn't represent the WSL well, to say the very least. In Idaval's post-match reactions, he said, I think it was a really important first half because our first half was not good and you could see that we needed to unify in key moments in the game. One thing was our press, which wasn't intense enough in the first half. We were half committing and they're good enough to play out, so you have to commit fully. Their first goal comes from a throw-in and we don't press the thrower and from there on we get in trouble with our positioning. In my opinion, what I think Jonas is specifically referring to in his statement is just genuine confusion. Specifically, I think Arsenal have had so far this season and certainly in the latter stages of last season had a well-organised press. But in this game, they seem to just fail to set it up quick enough and then because of the team we were playing, and again, this comes, I don't mean this in disrespect to any of the WSL teams, nor do I mean this to every WSL team, but when we are playing some of Europe's best, or such physical teams, they do, they are able to punish that, and I think sometimes we've been getting away with these little things. So, there's one example that stuck out to me, where we can see Black Stenius and she had two players to account for for a throw-in that was about to be taken. Obviously, she can't cover both of them. Then I saw that Kim Little did notice this, but couldn't kind of help because she had one on her outside shoulder. But within that, that player technically, I think, could have been marked by Beth Mead, but she wasn't really in a position to do so for whatever reason. For me, I just don't think she was physically ready to. The effect of that, 
meant that Arsenal were too late to each individual action. This then meant that even though we have some very quick-paced players, they were never going to be able to get there in time and carry out their role. So, and even in the case of Beth Mee, in these occasions, Ajax were then able to just play the ball into the centre of the pitch. And then, and then within that as well, obviously players had to move around, but because it all started from an initially confused moment, they weren't necessarily quite in the right places. And this was really noticed by Romy Louchers. And then, in my opinion, that's what led in part, at the very least, to the opening goal that came from that side of the throw-in and ultimately that's what happened in that scenario. Also on the topic of the tactics used or misused, depending on what we're talking about, by the Arsenal team, for me there were some positives and I think we really saw how effective our high line of press was but that's only effective when the team moves as an entire unit which they definitely did do at various points in the game and they did it really consistently in the first chunk of the second half when they came out and it was like a different game as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. Kind of commenting on a similar topic and line of questioning Idaval followed up in his statement saying that Ajax play with a different style that makes them the game more transitional, which makes the decision-making for us, i.e. Arsenal, even more important. For me, what all of this draws back together is that the areas that Arsenal need to learn their lessons in and practice on, on a regular basis, not just on the European big stages, is teams of a much more similar nature. Now, I've seen a lot of, frankly, hate on the topic of Arsenal playing the under-15 boys. Frankly, this is ridiculous. Um, No one's saying that they're better or someone's worse or anything like that. You just have to take it as rightly so, Arsenal is one club, that's the philosophy, and those types of teams playing each other helps the under-15 boys and it helps the women's sides. And also, this happens in every sport. I, It happens in hockey, and we, England, have some of the best hockey players in the world, you know, and gold medalists. So to disrate the women's game on that is embarrassing however what I do think now I've had that little rant over which I'm sure everyone else has been feeling when they've seen those on social media is that that instant decision making and the know-how to move as a unit will be developed in those games so from this I take that a Jonas and from the post-match from some of the women's team they all know what the problem is it's not like there's this unknown issue which is way more of a big deal everyone has some off moments and they know how to fix this and I think in part fixing it is playing some of the the lads teams and I think overall this is only going to help Arsenal develop in the long term obviously for the next game 
I think it will be tough, but overall, I do think Arsenal will pull through and win. There's a huge winner's mentality in that team. And to be honest, I think they were so frustrated and maybe even a little embarrassed after that game. I think they're going to have the bit between their teeth and I expect to see the team we saw at the start of the second half come out for the full 90 minutes. Now, before we look to the second leg, we of course have the hotly anticipated North London derby at the Emirates, which looks to be a British record-breaking crowd, which is incredibly exciting and honestly makes me a little bit emotional when I think about when I was a little bit younger and, you know, first getting into the women's game and it was so frustrating because I was so excited about these players and, and everything, I wanted to talk about it and I was lucky enough that my dad did follow the women's game as well and we would speak about it and I mean, I'm sure many of you are aware of Ask Blog and Ask Blog News and the incredible Tim Stillman and what he writes on the game. But honestly, back in the day, that was an absolute godsend. Um, so it's really, really special to now see this huge, huge crowd, not just from the Euros, but also for a WSL game now. However, I will be talking all about that team down the road Spurs um maybe unfortunately but we must um in the next episode which I hope you'll listen to where I'll be giving a pre-match opponent report on Spurs specifically and also talking a little bit about what the record-breaking crowd means for football and wider culture so I hope you enjoyed this episode there was definitely a lot to really get into as I say overall I do think we'll be okay I think this set off some big warning signals from us we've learned our lessons and we'll go into the second leg with a much better outlook and I think we will win and get to the next stage So in the meantime, I hope everyone enjoys the weekend's WSL and I will see you soon.